You are Locked On Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I get Twitter Tuesday, everybody, and welcome into Locked On Balls, your team every day. I'm your host, Eric Kane, a radio personality in Knoxville, Tennessee, covering Tennessee football and basketball, as well as recruiting for VolQuest.com. That's the Tennessee rival site. You can find me on Twitter, as you guys have over the past week, for your Twitter Tuesday submissions at underscore Kaner, as well as at Locked On Vols. It's a Twitter Tuesday edition here on Locked On Vols, where you can find anywhere you get your podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, uh, SoundCloud, wherever you want to get it, guys, it's out there. I appreciate it, and that's at Locked On Vols. Please, please subscribe, rate, review, and share. Uh, share with this uh, this podcast with all your Tennessee-loving friends. It's a Twitter Tuesday edition, guys. Uh, once again, um, I started it last week, and I think we got a good, uh, really good turnout for it. Bringing it back to the show this week, and I've got another one, another you know, 10, 12 submissions I'm going to run through. I appreciate that. We'll continue this on. If this is something you guys enjoy, uh, let me know, and of course, send in your, your questions as we move on. So that's what we're going to do here for today's show. We're going to work through a bunch of questions here in segment number one and number two for Twitter Tuesday. And then before we call it quits in segment number three, it was Josh Heupel introducing his defensive coordinator, Tim Banks and the rest of their defensive staff earlier on Monday. And we're going to get some quick little hits from some of these coaches. Now, we will start the defensive staff miniseries tomorrow. Remember what we did on the offensive side where we kind of go through, we find out who the coach is, kind of dissect what they said to the media. We will do that. But today in segment number three, just going to play a quick little audio clip, some of the best of from these assistant coaches and there were a lot for Mike Eckler, special teams coordinator, linebackers coach, <laughs> uh, but also some comments from Josh Heupel. So a pretty simple show today, but without further ado, let's go ahead and buckle up and get right down to it with Twitter Tuesday, each and every Tuesday here on Locked on Vols. All right, Chris Metcalf, we'll start with him, at MetcalfChris5 on Twitter. His question, or his comments and question, listening to the podcast right now, question for next Tuesday what do you think of Garantano and his new team? Next question, why is Barnes good at bringing in guards, but not forwards and centers? I'll start with Garantano. Of course, we can all agree that Garantano's time was, it was up here at Tennessee. He was here for five years, wanted to go on somewhere else and uh, and take advantage of that extra year of eligibility, see if he can propel himself to the next level. But it was time to leave Tennessee. Um, a good situation there at Washington State. You have an incumbent starting quarterback who was a true freshman in 2020 by uh, Jaden DeLora, and he came on. They went and played, what, four or five games out there in the Pac-12, uh, did Washington State. Jaden DeLora didn't get a lot of opportunities, but he played very, very well for being a true freshman. However, he was suspended from the football team indefinitely on the suspicion of driving under the influence. That was in early February. So I'm not saying that Jaden DeLora, uh, DeLora will not be in the conversation for the starting quarterback job come August because I think he will be. Typically, you suspend a player for a semester or whatever, let him come back and and come back to your team for the season. So we'll have to see exactly what's in store for Jaden Delore at Washington State. But right now, it is Jerry Garantano's team. He will, you know, he's in the driver's seat. You know, he's got Power 5 experience, SEC experience, and I would look for Jerry Garantano to have a real good chance to start for Washington State. Uh, we'll have to see how he does. I think a fresh start might do him well, but, you know, TBD. We'll have to wait and see on that front. The second part of Chris's question, he asked, why is Barnes good at bringing in guards but not forwards or centers? 
Well, Chris, um, to be honest with you, I don't really know, man. I um, I know I see I cover Tennessee recruiting. It's usually usually just stemming bas- uh, football. Um, I don't get into basketball recruiting an awful lot. But I will say he has done a fantastic job, you know, bringing guards. You know, Ty Chandler, not Ty Chandler, Kennedy Chandler's coming in for next year's class. You've got, of course, Keon Johnson, Jaden Springer. Josiah George James was a point, point guard coming out of high school. And he's done a really nice job of bringing in some talent and uh, at that guard position. Now, you know, forwards, he brought in DJ Burns. That didn't work out. He's now at Winthrop, I do believe. Um, you know, E. Pons is a incredible athlete he he recruited him you know from france and, and all that and so i think that's turned out well uh we'll have to see of course there's you know cory walker's a guy that he brought in that hasn't played yet so we'll have to see exactly you know what uh is in store for him but you're right i think the track record so far matches up very well for the backcourt instead of the front court so um don't really have an answer for that i do apologize but that's kind of how i see it there and that is from chris all right, now moving right along, we will go to Corbin Snyder. Corbin, or excuse me, Corbin Suter. He's at Corbin Suter on Twitter. His question is, you mentioned how difficult it is to recruit right now due to the looming NCAA penalties. If you're Hypel, what's the pitch? What do you say to overcome that and help build these crucial first couple of classes? Yeah, it's definitely tough, man. Um, you know, you've got not only the prospects sitting here saying, I don't know what's in store for me. If I were to go to Tennessee, would I have a chance to to be in the postseason, uh, go bowling, um, or is that going to be taken away from me for a year or two? What about next year's class? What about the class I'm coming into? Or, or is Tennessee going to be hit with you know some some fewer spots in the class? I don't know. And not only do you have prospects worrying about that, you also have other schools recruiting against that. You got Georgia, you got Florida, you got other SEC schools that are saying, "Why, why do you want to go to Tennessee right now? Um, you're not you're not going to be eligible to go if you go there and stuff like that." And so. You got other schools recruiting against you in that regard as well. But if I'm hypo, I'm saying, hey man, I walked into this place knowing that it's going to be an uphill climb, but I wanted to be here. I wanted to change Tennessee football and put it back to where it needs to be. If you can be responsible, if you're a coach that is responsible for bringing such a sports brand back out of the dust and putting it back where it needs to be, and we're talking about Tennessee, who's top 10 all time in terms of wins in college football, you bring that program back. And you put it back in the in the thick of things, you're gonna go down. I mean, there's statues for you outside of Neyland Stadium, and so Josh Heupel's probably saying, "Hey, I'm I'm up for this challenge. I'm gonna do that. Why don't you help me start that? Why don't you be a part of the change? Um, why don't you come here, play for three or four years, exhaust all your options, and then when you leave Tennessee, you will be remembered for bringing Tennessee back. For me, that would be my recruiting pitch. Also, these guys want to get to the league." It doesn't matter if you're playing in the postseason or not. You're still going to be able to get to the league if you come to Tennessee. Last up, I've got Kyle Hensley. Kyle Hensley jumped into the DMs, and he had an observa- observation excuse me, on some uniforms. And Kyle was talking about the conversation we had on last week's podcast about if you would change anything to be appealing on the recruiting trail. A big uh, conversation starter for that was the uniforms. Well, Kyle jumped in the DM, sent uh, kind of the, um, uh, the the inside scoop tweet from a couple of days ago from Tennessee football where Alante Taylor was kind of had a, a unique little access. He did like a little video and they called it Tay Talks. And he jumped in there and said, hey, it's it's more so than anything. It's it's this this stuff like this. You don't need to – this will make Tennessee fun again. Uh, the team didn't seem to be having too much fun the past couple of years. The players weren't really able to show their personality. This type of content plus TikToks. 
uh, they're putting in there. It's all good. As far as the uniform combinations are concerned, I do think there's value in sticking with the traditional look most of the time, but I'm all for a couple of alternatives, making the traditional look as flashy as possible. First up, get rid of the black cleats and go back to the orange and white cleats. I agree. Those look so much better. Sure, they might have some pushback from the fan base, but if the Vols were winning, doesn't really matter at all. Just wanted to share that quick video and let you know what you think or ask you what you think. Yeah, I think Tennessee football, I think um, VFL Films do just probably about the best job in the country. I think they do so much great work in terms of putting out that special content. You know, that that podcast I put out there, The Slice, I mean, I, I'm i not much for it, but I know fans love it. I think that's a great idea. I think these little these little videos that kind of, you know, take tours of the facility and after practice, some morning in the life of, all that type of stuff. I think that's fantastic, and that's kind of where we are as well, and that's part of recruiting too. It's that social content, that social media content, that digital content that shows just how cool and how much of a unique experience it is and it would be to come to Tennessee and be a student athlete. Pretty much, as far as recruiting is concerned, that's saying, okay, if you come to our school, man, we're going to treat you like a star, and you're going to get this type of treatment. There ain't no 15, 16, 17-year-old kid in the world that don't want that. I'll tell you that right now. So, uh, Kyle, I couldn't agree more. I think Tennessee and VFL Films do a great job of uh, putting their student athletes in position to show off their personality and to have fun with that. I will say... Uh, a, Something you brought up there. It looks like this team hasn't been able to have fun and show their personalities the last couple of years. Do you remember back when Grant, Admiral, <clears throat> Kyle, all those guys were here, Lamonte, uh, Jordan Bowden, all those you know those teams together for Rick Barnes? They had so much personality, and it's it is easier to manage that on a basketball team because the numbers are fewer. But we always talked about how it's great that we get to see those guys' personalities. I'll agree. You know, we haven't been able to see much of that from the football team here the last couple of years. It's more difficult, but stuff like this, I think, is 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 on the right path to do just that. So, uh, Chris, Corbin, and Kyle, I appreciate the comments at underscore Kaner for Twitter Tuesday. We will come back and meet up with some comments from Brad, Andrew, Tristan, Nick, and Lewis here on a Twitter Tuesday on Locked on Vols. And, and before we get to it, guys, a little reminder of my friends over at rockauto.com. It's a family-owned business serving auto parts to customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for the, audi- for the auto and body parts from hundreds of different manufacturers. They have everything your engine they have everything your engine needs from control modules to brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily deliver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered straight to your door. It is COVID friendly. RockAuto.com catalog, unique and remarkably easy to navigate through. Quickly, you can see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices you prefer. That's the best part about RockAuto.com. The prices, always reliably low and the same for professionals or the do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much when you can get those same parts for a lower price? Go to RockAuto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or your truck, Right, locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. 
from the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Segment number two of a Twitter Tuesday coming up. But first, betting on the SEC doesn't have to be a guessing game any longer. If you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast, hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get your daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Subscribe to the Locked On Bets podcast, brought to you by Bet Online AG, wherever you get your podcast. Guys, it's Twitter Tuesday here. Segment one, I took some questions. Segment two here, I am also going to read off some questions, kind of rapid fire before we finish off the show with some audio from Josh Heupel and some of those defensive coaches that will kick off our defensive mini-series over the next couple of days. All right, next up here, this is hashtag Twitter Tuesday, something we're going to do, a new feature we're going to do each and every week on the pod. If you want to jump into the action for next week, at underscore Kaner, at Locked on Vols, tweet or DM, uh, either option is all right. We're going to go to Brad now. It's Brad and Steph, at Brad and Steph on Twitter. Question for Twitter Tuesday. I feel like Harrison Bailey is going to have trouble in Heupel's offense. I feel like a dual-threat quarterback will be a better fit. Do you agree and why? And If you had to make a pick right now, who starts game one at quarterback? Well, I I think we kind of get lost in this delusion that it has to be a dual-threat quarterback. It has to be a mobile quarterback. There were two quarterbacks there under Josh Heupel at UCF that found success, and they were two different quarterbacks. Drew Locke at Missouri, I wouldn't consider him a a dual-threat quarterback. He can move. He can extend plays, but I wouldn't consider him a dual-threat quarterback. Sam Bradford certainly was not a dual-threat quarterback, and I know it wasn't Heupel's offense at Oklahoma, but you know, a lot of times he was the quarterback's coach, and uh, he had a big hand in it. So uh, nonetheless, it doesn't have to be a dual-threat quarterback. I think it's nice to have one, um, especially with you know that option you can do off that RPO if, both are, if, if the run and the pass are both covered up. Um, so we'll have to see. I think Harrison Bailey is going to have every opportunity to start game one. I think Hinton Hooker is going to have every opportunity to start game one. If it's anybody other than those two guys, I'll be surprised. I don't think it'll be Caden Salter. Uh, I think Brian Maurer is a guy that's forgotten, and you guys know this, but um, you know Josh Heupel recruited him to go to UCF originally, and so I think he'll be in the conversation. I think he'll be good in this offense, or I think he'll be a good option in this offense, but I don't think he'll be a starter. Uh, so if, I, if you're handicapping me right now, I'd, I'd probably say – you know, minus, you know, 105, Hidden Hooker is who I might say. I mean, he's got experience. Hopefully it's not to the same style as Jared Garantano in the same degree, but let's be frank. Garantano going to Washington State, Hidden Hooker coming to Tennessee. It's about the same situation. I mean, it really is. Experienced, power five starting quarterback that's played a ton. It's never been spectacular. It's had moments, but overall has not been super sensational. Uh, I would say Hidden Hooker if I am handicapping it right now. Uh, I think a dual-threat quarterback will be nice, but I will remind you, Joey Halsey, when he met with the media a couple weeks ago, uh, Jimmy Himes of the Sports Animal asked him kind of rank these characteristics. Intelligence, accuracy, mobility. Mobility came third. you got to have a guy that's intelligent in this offense because all those offensive coaches said it's about processing information at an efficient manner, at a quick manner because of this up-tempo scheme. You've got to have a guy that can do that. Accuracy, you've got to be able to throw accurate balls if you're a quarterback. And then mobility would be three. So I'll say that. Hendon Hooker's my pick for right now, uh, but we will have to see. Uh, next up, we'll go to Andrew Florio. Andrew Florio, 
He jumped into the Twitter Tuesday conversation, said, ask rather, which coach, which coach impressed you the most from the press conference on Monday? Well, as uh, we're going to be talking about, I've mentioned a couple of times, our defensive mini staff, our d- defensive staff mini series will kick off really here in segment number three, where we'll go through and we'll break down every single coach over the next couple of days. Um, it was for two hours. I'm not going to lie to you, man. It, it was um, anytime you get me sitting in a in a seat listening to somebody talk for more than 15 minutes, I have a hard time to pay attention to the rest. So <laughs> I'm going to have to go back. I'm going to have to cut up audio and listen and listen and get it again. But just off the top of my head, I was really impressed with Willie Martinez. He is a football guy. I think I actually tweeted that at underscore Kaner. Willie Martinez, colon, football guy. Um, he knows his direction. He knows, I mean, he's been doing it forever too, so it's no surprise, but, um, he knows what he's looking for and he knows how to motivate his players. And so he's excited to be here on Rocky top, of course, already having been here before and, and coaching in the SEC. I was impressed with Willie Martinez. I was also impressed with Brian Jean Mary. Uh, he is your linebackers coach. I think he's probably one of the more underrated coaches on staff, uh, a ton, a ton of experience. Of course, he coached with Charlie strong for a long, long time. Uh, talking about what he wants out of linebackers, being three down linebackers and how offenses are going fast at, at a quick pace nowadays and how they're trying to air it out. You, you can't just be your traditional run stopper. You've got to be able to be out there on first, second, and third downs. you got to be able to stop the run and the pass. I mean, I played linebacker in college. Uh, I, I, I know what it takes, but certainly you got to be super athletic to play in the SEC, and um, there's not many not many guys who can do it. Um so I liked him kind of breaking down talking defense, talking linebackers. That was that was kind of fun. Um, everyone's going to talk about Mike Eckler, and we will talk about Mike Eckler. I'll play a clip from Mike Eckler later on this podcast, I promise. He's the one that stole all the headlines because, I'm going to be honest with you, man, he's, he, he, he's freaking crazy. <laughs> and I've talked about this before. To be a good coach, a lot of times you just have to be crazy. And Mike Eckler, he is crazy. Everyone's going to remember Mike Eckler from this press conference because of the some of the quotable nuggets that uh, I'm going to throw in on social media and in this podcast. I'm going to do it too, guys. I'm I'm no different, but um everyone's going to remember him, but I was uh I think he's a good football coach as well. So, and of course Rodney Garner, it's harder not to be impressed by him anytime he gets in front of a microphone. So, those are kind of who I was watching on um when I went through the uh the press conference in real time and when I went back on review uh from Monday. We hop on over to the Locked On Vols account. We head to the DMs and we talk to Tristan Slagle. Uh, Tristan Slagle brings up, I think Coach Eckler became a hero in Rocky Top today. Is there an SEC coach, SEC head coach who could beat him in a fight? <laughs> I promise I didn't plan that. That's just kind of how it happened. <laughs> just talking about Mike Eckler. Tristan's co- uh, question next up on the docket is about, about Coach Eckler. Um, I will also play this clip later on in today's podcast about when he was asked point blank, is there any truth to the legend, to the rumor that you punched Jeremy Pruitt when you guys were in Florida? Spoilers, he sidestepped it. He didn't talk about it. But that's where this conversation's coming from. Um, of SEC head coaches right now, <laughs> absolutely not. I mean, you're going to tell me Kirby can take him? Saban, of course not. Dan Mullen, no thanks. Um, Shane Beamer, nah. Stoops, no. Lay, no. You've got, of course, Lane, no. Jimbo, no. And, whoo, Orgeron. Orgeron's a guy that I would think would be the, the biggest. Orgeron's a guy that I think would be the biggest hurdle to pass, but I'm going to take Mike Eckler on any of those guys. Leach, no. Um, Harson, no. 
I think Mike Eckler could take pretty much any SEC coach <laughs> that's out there right now. So I hope that answers your question. Uh, we will go to Nick Martindale now. His question, what's the state on if John Fulkerson will return next year? Big emotions on the court on senior day after beating Florida. Yeah, John Fulkerson's been a topic of this conversation for really the last, probably the last four out of five days. We've talked a lot of John Fulkerson. As you guys know from listening to Monday's podcast, my opinion, that was the guy that played his last game at Thompson Blowing Arena. He even said in his postgame remarks, I mean, he doesn't know yet, but he doesn't know if he can go through another senior day because the emotions were so high. It was so tough for him. You could see it. I mean, he was bawling his eyes out. And we've all been there, playing our last game. I played my last football game one time. I cried like a baby. I mean, I did. Um, because not only was the game over for me, there could be a future for John Fulkerson. I'm not saying there isn't, but uh, my time at my school was over with. And it was it was sad. I mean, it really was. Because that place grows on you. You meet people that impact you for life. And at the time, you don't want to leave. And so we will have to see. I think it could benefit John Fulkerson, like Jimmy Docs is saying on the broadcast. With Kennedy Chandler coming in, a traditional point guard, I think that'll open things up down low in the blocks. It's not like John Fulkerson's going to get worse. I think he'll continue to be a steady force and maybe even play himself into a draftable conversation. So we'll have to see. If I'm a betting man right now, I'm going to say no. But if he does, if he returns to Tennessee in 2021-2022, wouldn't shock me. Wouldn't shock me whatsoever. So I appreciate that, Nick. And we will move on to our final question, and that will be with Lewis Chilton. Lewis sent a thread, and I will read the Cliff Note version of the thread here. He sent it to at Locked On Vols. This is Lewis Chilton at Lewis Chilton on Twitter. The hiring of Kevin Steele with a guaranteed contract just weeks before the firing of the whole staff seems to be the most mind boggling, head scratching move in the last decade. It was costly, but fortunately harmless. Eh, I would disagree. It's that's $900,000 that you just have to throw away. With the benefit of hindsight, what was the most dangerous program move of the past decade plus? Hiring Sinceri, firing Jancic, hiring Dooley, Butch's non-existent strength coach. <laughs> Personally, I believe hiring Kiffin, then leaving, then him leaving a year later was the most damaging uh, thing that brought the Vols program has taken uh, in the past decade plus. Again, purely hindsight. Hindsight. No one even Kiffin knew that USC would come calling. Lewis, great question, man. And I'm going to make it brief because we could go on and on and on and on. <laughs> and it's all a domino effect. I mean, it really is. If Fulmer isn't forced to resign as head coach, would Tennessee be in this tailspin? Now, I don't think so. But how much longer could Fulmer keep up with the game and put Tennessee in a position to win the SEC much past 2007. I do believe he had a lot left in the tank. I mean, you see coaches coaching way longer than he is right now, uh, as far as older than he is. But I don't know if it would have lasted another 15 years to bring us to today. I, I, I don't know. My opinion, and again, there's no wrong answer here. Having no strength coach in the program is huge, so I hear that one. I mean, that is, boy, Derek Dooley. Hiring Derek Dooley was the worst thing this Tennessee football program has done during this whole decade plus. Keep in mind, too, that was when I was a senior in high school or junior in high school. All right. I have only been on the beat for three years. A lot of this stuff that's happened in this decade of dysfunction, shout out Mark Nagy. I was not here. I was in high school. I was in college. I was playing college football. I was in King Sports, Tennessee. I was doing it. I was doing other things. I've only I've only just been here on the beat the last three years. So a lot of this stuff, I will say, I wasn't here for, 
so I don't know firsthand. But just looking back, I remember all of it. Hiring Derek Dooley from La Tech, who had a 4-8 and eight record. Woof. I know you were in a bind. I know Lane Kiffin darted through the midnight train. I know it was in January. And I know you didn't have the early signing period that had already locked in the majority of your class back then. It was non-existent. I get all that. I know Tennessee was in scramble mode. I get it. It was a horrible situation. And I like you. I I know fans at the time hated Lane Kiffin. And a lot, a lot of fans are coming around to him now. One him back in Knoxville. I get that. But I don't... I mean, that was his dream job. Dream job. I think he wanted to be here in Knoxville at the time. But, I mean, if the Atlanta Braves called me and said, Hey, Eric, we want you to be our play-by-play radio broadcaster. I'd say... Okay, I will I will run. I will run to SunTrust Park right now. I mean, that would be my dream job. You know, hosting my own day park. Dream job. Like I get all that. That that's his dream that's his dream job. So I'm not gonna blame him, but hiring Derek Dooley, just awful. Never improved from five and seven. Did not bring in an offensive lineman one year in a recruiting cycle. I only have so many minutes I can speak on this podcast. I'm already behind. I've I've been dragging it on, but Oh my God! <laughs> like, how in the world does that happen? Derek Dooley, in my opinion, the worst move Tennessee football has done in this last decade plus. Guys, thank you so much. Thank you so much for Twitter Tuesday. Twitter Tuesday, great questions, great conversations. I cannot wait to uh, continue this on throughout next week. Looking forward to it. But before we get into the final segment of a Tuesday show, let me remind you: Bet Online, the fastest, easiest way. To bet on all your sports actions. The SEC tournament. It starts tomorrow officially. Game one's tomorrow. Game two's Thursday. Tennessee gets going on Friday with that double bye. The Volunteers 5-1 to one odds to win the SEC tournament. Not only is it Tennessee, but you've got Florida, you've got LSU, and you've got Tennessee. All 5-1 to one odds, according to Bet Online, to win the SEC tournament. Who are the two teams that have better odds? Arkansas, the hottest team in all the land, 3-1. and one. And Alabama sitting at 11-5 odds to win the SEC tournament. You want to make some money? It's a great time to do it. March Madness is starting. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets. It's completely free to sign up. Head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You guys know the drill by now. Promo code locked on for 50% off a welcome bonus on your first deposit. Tennessee, 5-1 to one odds to win the SEC tournament. I wouldn't put my money there. I'm just going to advise you there. But the Crimson Tide in Arkansas, very favorable odds. Check them all out at BetOnline AG. BetOnline, it's your online sportsbook experts. Time for an abbreviated segment number three of a Twitcher Tuesday locked on Vols. But before that, there's only one place to get all the information you need on the SEC five days a week. That's on the Locked On SEC Podcast. Host Chris Gordy of Sports 790 delivers his unique brand of Southeastern Conference analysis with the help of local expert guests from around the SEC network of Locked On Podcasts. Subscribe to Locked On SEC wherever you get your podcast. I do apologize for making this an abbreviated segment, but obviously Twitter Tuesday, I could go on and on and on and talk more and more and more. I might just make that three three separate segments next week. Just, just blow it out for the entire show. That's what I'll do next week, but... Uh, you guys got to continue sending in your questions because y'all have been on fire. Appreciate it, as I always do. At Locked On Vols, at underscore Kaner here, finishing off this Tuesday show. And I want to play some audio. Josh Heupel introduced his defensive staff Monday afternoon. We will start the defensive staff miniseries 
officially right now, but we'll get into coach by coach by coach the rest of the week. But first, here is Tennessee head coach Josh Heupel on his defensive scheme and how he needs to adapt that to the personnel that he has inherited. It'll be a combination of, of some things that, that Coach Banks has done throughout his tenure, uh, not just what he's done at, at Penn State. I think for us and where our roster is at, I think it's important that you have the ability to be flexible and to put your kids in a position of success. And I think you have to be multiple in today's game. I think that's a part of creating zero and negative plays, getting offenses off schedule. Uh, and that's you know both in your front and then what you're seeing on the back end as well. And do you try to suit your scheme to the personnel that you have? For sure. I think you got to do that in, in all three phases. I think it's important that uh, you find personnel that, uh, you know, can fit into your overall strategy of what you want to do, but you got to take a look at what your personnel can do at a really high level and then put them in a position of being successful. What about the players right now? Heads have been spinning throughout this entire process. That's who I really feel for throughout the the entire three and seven season the entire six-week investigation that ultimately led to Jeremy Pruitt's firing, the entire searching for a new head coach and all that, I feel for the players. How have they been responding? What's the buy-in been like to the Josh Heupel era? Here's Tennessee's head coach. Yeah, at the end of the day, it's always about the players that you have. I don't care if that's you know players that transition out of your program or, or who you don't get in recruiting. It's always about who is here. Uh, the level of buy-in has been phenomenal from our players. Uh, the accountability factor, uh, those guys wanted it. Uh, they bought into it. Uh, they're trusting the process of, of getting ourselves prepared to, to go compete during spring ball. Uh, we call this our first quarter uh, of the offseason here, uh, strength and conditioning side of it, and, and starting to get some, some installs as far as what we're doing in all three phases of the game as well. But the guys have been great, great energy, great buy-in, uh, exci excited about uh, what we're doing. Uh, great chemistry, I think, in the, in the locker room as well. And those are all things that we're going to have to continue to develop here as, as we move through this offseason process. We continue on with this rapid segment of audio. Question was asked to Josh Heupel. Kevin Steele officially not retained by Tennessee last week. Did you have conversations with Kevin Steele? What were the thoughts there? Not a whole lot here, but... Josh Heupel's response on Kevin Steele. Yeah, Kevin's a great coach. He's been inside of this league for a long time and obviously has some ties to, to Tennessee as well. Uh, wish him nothing but the best as he moves on in, in his coaching career in the future. Uh, ultimately felt like this is the right collection of talent here uh, to lead uh, our players and, and, and help uh, lead this, this football program. Now we shift to Tennessee defensive coordinator Tim Banks. Multiple, multiple, multiple. We know this defense is going to be multiple, but... His background's in a 4-3 scheme. What about odd fronts? What about three-man schemes? What about four-man fronts? The question was asked to Tim Banks. And again, kind of a familiar thing going on right now. It's about adapting and evaluating the players you have on your roster and going from there. Here's Tim Banks on what defensive front he will be running. You know, as far as the 4-3 or 3-4 and, you know, all those type of things, you know, once again, you know, what do we have to work with? You know, again, as we continue to go through spring, you know, we evaluate it. You know, we'll, we'll make some decisions moving forward that obviously, you know, puts the players in the best light, which in turn puts our defense in the best light. But but right now, you know, we're trying to continue to evaluate the talent level um, and see what these guys can, can obviously do and do well. Finally, we get to the Mike Eckler comments. And again, we're going to play more comments from every single assistant coach throughout this defensive miniseries. We're just kind of giving you an appetizer here to end this show on a Tuesday. A Twitter Tuesday, hashtag it. Mike Eckler was asked about the rumor, did you punch Jeremy Pruitt when you two worked in Georgia back in 2015? Mike Eckler obviously sidestepped the question. 
Here's Mike Eckler's response to said question. You know what? The uh, only thing I'll say about my experience at Georgia is um, worked for Mark Richt, an unbelievable guy, and really had a, a, a great experience working for him. For him, Incredible person. Um, and, you know, I'm just excited about what we're doing here. And finally, probably the quote of the day, we'll say the best for last, Mike Eckler talking about coaching a special teams unit, what gets him fired up. Here is Mike Eckler with just a crazy, crazy quote. You know, it's not like offense, not like defense where you have three opportunities. You got one shot. So your chili better be hot. You better be ready to rock and roll. And, and I enjoy that because I, I wake up about 3 a.m. every day and, and uh, I don't need a cup of coffee. I'm ready to go. And if you think that's crazy, just wait until you hear the others that he said. I think that's the best one. But let me tell you, he was not short. He was not short at all at giving us quotable content. That is for sure. Guys, that was just a little appetizer, if you will, of what's to come. The Defensive Staff miniseries carries on tomorrow. We will start with Defensive Coordinator Tim Banks. We've already talked about Tim Banks a little bit, but we will refresh ourselves about Tim Banks before breaking down each and every assistant football coach. Guys, another successful Twitter Tuesday. Continue to dive in those DMs at underscore Kaner, at Locked On Vols. Tweet me at underscore Kaner, at Locked On Vols. Whatever, whatever, whatever way, whichever which way you guys get your content. Also, uh, there was one question I forgot to get into. I'm sorry. Oh, I think it was from Chris. It was from Chris. Asked me why I wanted to get into podcasting. I love audio content. I love radio broadcasting. I love play-by-play broadcasting. Podcasting, a way to sharpen my tools, keep me ready for when I finally get the call to have my own day parts radio radio show. Uh, have faith that that's going to happen. Have faith that that's going to happen uh, sometime before I turn gray. And so podcasting will keep me sharp, but also it's a more intimate platform with you and your listeners. And I appreciate you guys uh, hanging out. I didn't mean to be weird there by saying intimate. I do apologize, but that's how I view it. I love podcasting, and I love being here on Locked On Vols. Chris, sorry I didn't get to that question earlier, but better late than never. Continue to send those questions in for Twitter Tuesday. We'll be back for a Wednesday show. Hopefully, we will have a big VFL coming on before the end of the week, but we will continue on with the Tennessee content, the staff miniseries, all that entails what's going on on the Tennessee football and basketball beat. Until tomorrow, have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody. (laughs) 